Black Female Project. Hi, this is Precious Stroud with Black Female Project podcast, and I'm really excited to be here. Casey and I met about eight months ago. She came over to a Black Female Project conversation. I'd love to hear your thoughts about that. But the first thing is you'd please introduce yourself. Tell us your name, the industry you work in, and what career level you are. Hi, good afternoon. My name is Casey. Um, I am a professional wanderer, professional drifter. Um, I would say that makes me (laughs) mid-career. The way I found out about the Black Female Project, um, a dear friend of mine invited me to the Black Female Project workshop last fall. And then I went by myself to another event y'all hosted for teachers a couple months ago. And voila, y'all invited me. Must have been something. I said, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't know. That's good. (laughs) Well, welcome. We're thrilled to have you here. Yeah. And look forward to a rich conversation. We'll get started by just asking what inspired your connection to Black Female Project, or since you shared a little just a moment ago, what inspired you to come back? Um, I feel very welcomed. I feel very invited. Um, I feel like the the crowd that I'm around always has meaningful things to say and share. Even if people aren't verbally communicating, people are communicating with their body language that they're just happy to see so many other Black women in the same space, sharing what they're going through or even not needing to share, just soaking up that that great reception. So why wouldn't I want to be around that more? So what type of work do you do and what led you to it? Um, So within the last 10 years, I've gone from online retail to nonprofit to property management. I was at the online retail place for eight years and then they went out of business four years ago. And the last four years, I've just been on this spiral of getting laid off Mm. four years, like literally four years straight, 2014 15, 16, 17. Um, So just the anxiety that comes with that, it was always in the springtime. So when you think of spring and, you know, it's this renewness and everything like that, I'm just, I'm getting nervous. I'm um, not knowing if I should go all in, if I should hold back. Um, And so that has allowed me to just explore different work opportunities. Um, but for it started with online retail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in that, were there any trends in the layoffs that you could identify? Yes. The first two, so the place I was at for eight years and then the place I ended up directly after that, they went out of business. Mm-hmm. And then I, I would say the the main thread is it was all about finances. So mm-hmm. the, the third place... Um, expanded in terms of wanting to hire larger, like senior managers faster than revenue could support. So they ended up having to kind of trim from the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the nonprofit, which I really liked, hopefully we'll, we'll get a chance to dive into that later. Um, <laughs> the, they lost a $500,000 grant and, you know, $500,000 for any company mm-hmm. is major. For a nonprofit, I mean, that's, you know, that's lifeblood. And so it was a seventh of the budget. And so they had to make some really hard decisions. And I was the new kid on the block. Mm -hmm. So I liked it, all of that stuff, but they had to make some hard decisions. Understood. So do you feel that you were prepared for what you've encountered in the professional realm? 
I would say yes, in terms of like um, the online retail position. I feel like I was very prepared for that because I had left an extremely toxic <laughs> nonprofit in downtown Oakland that was just full of the most terrible, egotistical people I'd ever met in a workplace at that time. Um, it was just a lot of high turnover. Um, they prided themselves on being called office boot camp with the mantra that if you can survive in this office, you can survive anywhere. Um, and it was just, it was the worst of both worlds. You know, it was this very mm. corporate, you can't talk to me, you're not high enough on the org chart mm. type of approach with the nonprofit, you can pay your bills, but nothing else type of pay. So, you know, I'm like, where is the positive? And this was a job that I really wanted. Like I was doing some um, basic retail in Berkeley and I liked that job. Like I take the 72, um, my, my boss was a black woman. You know, the fact that it was a great work environment and my boss was a black woman, is that a coincidence? No. Um, but I had some goals before I moved to the Bay and one of them was I wanted to be in nonprofit. So this was a job like I put in the application for several months prior. So I'm so excited mm -hmm. to be there, right? I have a place to stay. I've got my own apartment. Um, I'm in, I'm in downtown Oakland, you know, with my hour lunch, I'm walking to Jack London Square and I'm walking to the lake and the library down on 14th, the African American Museum and Library up the street. I've been here so long that it was, I was here when it was called the Alice Art Center, mm -hmm. now the um, Malanga Cascalore. So there's all these exciting things. And then there's just this extremely debilitating work environment that ironically was about um, empowering black and brown people around the world. And here you have a real live in the flesh black woman and the environment was so oppressive. So Casey, you mentioned one organization that you worked for and you had a black female boss, which is fantastic. And another where it was about black and brown people. However, you didn't feel supported. Can you compare or tell us a little bit about what made one um, you more successful in one versus the other? Yes. So um, that's actually a really, really good question. Um, as Black women, we just have a lot of fucking common sense. And we know what it's like to have people constantly telling us what we can and can't do and um, making our lives harder. So if we're in a position to make any kind of decisions. We want things to be efficient. We got shit to do. I mean, this is my job, but I have a life. How can I make this um, as effective and welcoming as possible so people want to be here? Um, they feel heard, they feel valued. At the same time, my needs are getting met. I'm taking care of you, which is something we have been doing since the dawn of time, taking care of everyone else. And then in return, I'm going to invest that you'll take care of me too. You're gonna, you're gonna make me look really good. Um, and that's a that's a get down I can get with. On the other hand, the the white liberals that I encountered at the nonprofit were so busy trying to prove to me how they weren't racist and how they weren't part of the problem that um, what they were doing was tokenizing me. I remember high level like COO sat me down, never I haven't initiated any of this conversation. He's just like, you don't have to worry about me. I am on your side. I lived in the Philippines for five years. I know what it's like to work with POCs. I know what tolerance is like. Um, you have me as your support system. And I'm going to admit, as inappropriate as that shit was, 
I could rely on his ass <laughs> when need be. Um, I could go over my boss's boss's head and be like, yo, I want to go on this trip. Um, my direct supervisor at that time, um, she was running a nice little scam. I mean, in that particular scenario, I couldn't hate the player. You know, they say don't hate the player, hate the game. She was doing absolutely nothing and was getting paid for it. Okay. You got your little hustle. I get that. I come along because there's a need for a receptionist administrative assistant. And this is what you would want to do. You would want to let me complete my work. And then, which ended up being your work too. And then you'd want to be quiet. You want to micromanage me doing my work and your work and then get mad when I don't do it the way you didn't do it in the first place. We don't have a problem with that. We're, we're going to have a problem with that. And like I had never needed HR at a job ever. Um, coming from the South, I'm from North Carolina, born and raised, born in Chapel Hill, raised in Winston-Salem. Um, that's just a work ethic that we have. A hard days pay for a hard day's work. All your time needs to be filled with meaningful projects, um, meaningful tasks, and so the fact that I had all this, I'm okay with that. I, this is where I wanted to be. Oh, my goodness. But when it was revealed to me through people's actions that it was just on this left, like every other day, people wanting to talk about my hair and, oh, my gosh, it's curly today. And it's straight. Oh, my gosh, it's straight. And what happened? Um, trying to, like, I might be reading a book and it's like, oh, my, you know, I'm reading a book about um, Rastafari. It's just reading a book. Like, yeah, I get this time off. It's raining outside. Um, can't really go for a walk. And it's like, you know, I had dreadlocks for like five years. And the whole, all of this time. So, if, and then there's people coming up to me. You've been in Sierra Leone for two months. So you don't even know who I am. You come up to the front desk. We don't have any more coffee. Uh, okay, Liza, that sounds like a personal problem. So if I'm snapping back at people, I'm the one perceived as having an attitude. Because everybody is on this white liberal, we're part of the solution team. So it can't be me that's being demeaning to Casey or um, marginalizing Casey anymore. I invited her to lunch and I paid for it. So clearly they knew the environment was tough, period. So they would assign people a mentor. My mentor couldn't wait to tell me how she volunteered on UC Berkeley's campus because she was um, heavily committed to racial justice. But every little thing I did had her in her feelings. Every conversation I wanted to have, you know, she wants to talk about, you know, feminism. And that's why it's so important. And it's like, oh, oh, OK, 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 Beth, let's let's pump your brakes. Um, you know, feminism is relative. Right. Middle-class white women wanted to get driver's licenses and pump their own gas and get their own credit cards. And Black women and brown women and poor women, which a lot of times intersected, are looking like, bitch, I would love not to have to go to work. <laughs> I actually like my motherfucking kids. <laughs> I want to be around them. You think I want to get up and go do this shit, scrub your toilets every day? I have to get a second job because y'all are benefiting off the system. Won't even let my man get an interview. Now he drinking himself to death, coming home mad and shit. And you over here stressing me out the fact you can't bag your own groceries if you don't get the fuck out of my face. So I'm having those conversations. Now she crying in her feelings. I thought you was about racial justice. Lorraine, <laughs> come on now. So I'm running into these kind of 
obstacles on a professional level, you're not high up on the org chart, and then on an interaction level. See, we're all the same because we're all in this together. I would like, I, I initially believed that, but this is no longer true. So after like two years of that, I was like, I don't give a fuck where I end up. I'm on the first train smoking. I was sending out my resume all over the place. I never even knew, like, I had never, I had saved up so much vacation and and sick time wherever I'd worked before when I was back east because your job is to be at work, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I'd never seen people cussing. I'd never seen people drinking. There were wrap-ups every Friday, just throwing back beers and stuff. Like, wow. Okay, wow, wow, West. So I'm looking at this like, okay, well, I have all this sick time and vacation. I'm about to start using this. I'm going to go on interviews Mm -hmm. (laughs) on their dime. And so that's how I ended up at the online retail place. Um, And because my thing was, well, at least if I get into for-profit, I know what the goal is. The goal is clear. It's about making them dollars. It's not under the pretense of, you know, we actually care about people everywhere unless you're in our exact zip code. Like, no, it's we're we all about making that money Mm -hmm. and we're going to do it from an online perspective. I was with it. (laughs) So can you share a bit about the ways that your Blackness had either been honored or challenged in your work, because I know, look, basically, I know you have some answers already, but even though you kind of covered a little bit of it, I just wanted you to have an opportunity to move into that area. Sure. Um, so, you know, my Blackness is, it's always positive to me. Always. Always, always, always. Um, the world doesn't see it that way. So it tries to monetize my Blackness for their gain, right? Um, I can't be racist. I promoted her to manager. But there's no real power there. There's no real decision-making there. So what what just happened? Once again, my my Blackness is, is always positive to me. I'm extra fly. <laughs> um, and the world doesn't see it that way in the workplace. For example, um, just this constant insulting of my intelligence um, by concluding, for example, where I'd be useful without consulting me. So, you know, something like the the online retail place where I ended up and was there for eight years. So clearly there was something about it I liked. And if we end up talking about it kind of out of sequence, you know, that's totally fine. But at some point, just from that, because, you know, the initial question was, did you feel like where you ended up, you were prepared? Well, yeah, because I had just survived, you know, this oppressive piece of shit job. This was like mm-hmm. civilian work. If this was considered boot camp, I'm floating on a breeze. And I did have the skills coming from that kind of environment to navigate this new office opportunity pretty pretty easily. And during the interview process, I noticed that it was heavily Black and brown people and heavily women, which meant tons and tons and tons and tons of women of color. So I'm like, oh, yeah, we about to get this cracking. But at the same time, you know, the like senior management might see, oh, you know, we're going to make her a manager. I'm going to tell y'all right now, I'm a terrible manager. <laughs> I'm, I'm terrible. Um, I trust that when people are hired, they have the ability to do the job. I cannot live in an environment where I'm micromanaged. So that's how I approach people. Like you are very capable and very competent. I'm simply here to get you the resources you need. And, you know, it in that particular 
environment, I learned that people need that nudge. They, they, they need, I might call it micromanaging. They might call it security or, um, you know, a blanket of protection, however people would look at it. And that was really foreign. It was like, hey, y'all, here's some new policies. We, you know, we're no longer doing 10% discounts. We can do up to 5%. Make it happen. You're doing great. Any questions, let me know. So I'm thinking, if you have a question, you let me know. Um, next thing I know, people are not performing well. And it's like, okay, well, what what can we get you? And I had to learn sometimes people don't even know how to articulate what they need. So where do we go from there? And of course, as being a Black woman, the, the margin of error is super slim. So if I don't have it all figured out, I'm, I never planned on managing. I haven't taken a managing class. I, I don't dream about being a manager. It just kind of fell in my lap. Um, so I, I came in the door with that tunnel vision of where I'd come before. So I know how to get work done. I know how to do um, time management and all that stuff. And in my mind, it's like, oh my God, Wakanda forever. <laughs> like, this is great. This is going to be great. You know, in my head, it's like the, the Little Kim, Missy Elliott video, Ladies Night with Angie Martinez and Left Eye and, and DeBrat and Queen Latifah and all the black and brown women that were popping in the mid 90s. So I'm like, we about to get it going. But I came with a certain level of baggage from the abuse. I had to really spend time realizing I had been abused. So you're going to, I brought that with me to where, yes, I'm, I'm very like, oh my gosh, you need some help. Show me how to do this. I want to take on more work and you look really stressed. So my intent was to be helpful. But the impact mm. was that I came off as very pushy mm. and a know-it-all, um, you know, this might have worked two years ago when we needed it. But right now I'm just trying to do my eight hours and get up out of here. I don't care about office morale. I don't care about streamlining the process. All I care about is when I clock in at 730 and I clock out at four. So all this extra stuff you're trying to do and you making me look bad. You asking me to. And it that didn't occur to me that that's the way I was kind of busting down the door. To me, it was like, oh, my gosh, we're on the same team. Let's make it happen. And so I lost my audience that way. Mm -hmm. um, and so even as from like 2007 to 2011, I was getting promoted. And you, you wouldn't think in a company of less than 50 people that you, I was getting a promotion every six months to a year. Customer service rep to customer service manager, the manager piece I was mm -hmm. talking about, um, to customer service liaison, where it was like, let's merge different departments together. Once again, I'm like, yo, it's the remix to Ladies Night, yo. Come on. <laughs> um, but at that point, people hear merger. Mm. This is after the economy crashed in 2008. People hear merger and they think, well, you about to take my job away. Mm -hmm. It's like, nah, nah, we're going to each learn everybody's job so that at the end, you can actually be sick and take a day off and not have to worry about coming back to all this work. Mm -hmm. But I, at that point, I was playing catch up from prior interactions I had done coming in so, so boisterous, I suppose, that it was hard to, I was just playing, I was playing catch up at that point. So when that didn't work out, they wanted me to go back to being a co-manager. I was like, no, fuck that. I'm not, I'm not doing that. <laughs> no. I tried that. I did that. She's been managing the department by herself. It looks to me like she's doing an adequate job. 
I mean, I'll take responsibility for my lumps, but really senior management didn't give me the support that I needed. You didn't attend meetings. You didn't put your stamp of approval. You didn't let people know about how we were working on this together and and how everybody could see this as being a win-win. So I'm not I'm not going back simply because, you know, this failed. I, I did the best that I could do. So I'm moving on to something else. You do with that information what you want to do with it. And at that point, I had like five years in. So I'm getting my extra vacation time and mm-hmm. <laughs> all this other kind of stuff. And people could say whatever they they wanted to about me, but you could never talk about my work ethic. You could never talk about the quality of which I get my work done. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, I became the custom, I became project coordinator. And so all of the management piece was taken off my plate, right? And um, this one particular, it was a Saturday. I was, um, I was home. I worked Monday through Friday. So I, I actually used to do theater for seven years. It's like a hobby. Mm. And so I had a show that night. And um, my boss, who's general manager, um, he was just blowing up my phone, right? And eventually I was like, okay, what's going on? Have you, have you heard from so-and-so? Do you have so-and-so's number? You know, she manages these accounts on the weekend so that our emails don't get out of control, right? Particularly with Amazon, where customers can leave feedback that direct that affects your ratings, that's visible to the public. Why would I buy this from you for um, $5.16 with an 88% approval rating if I can get it from them for $5 and they got a 97%, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So they had decided um, to have people manage the email so they wouldn't be so overwhelming by the time you come back on Monday. So I guess they had worked that out. I didn't know anything about this. At this point, it was like, okay, I can take a hint. You know, I can take a hint. People want me, they just want me to leave them alone. All this grandiose idea stuff, making shit better. No, just run me my money and leave me alone. Okay, I get it. I backed off. Now I'm just in my own little world with my own little projects. Um... And then things maybe people couldn't handle, their plate was getting too full. Sure, I'll help you out, no problem. So I didn't know anything about this agreement. I guess she would leave early on Fridays and work the weekend, and that's how our time worked out. So he's wanting me to check these email accounts. And I'm like, bruh, first of all, I have a show today. So my mind is there. Second of all, I I worked 40 hours this week, so how are you going to pay me? (laughs) I'm going to take care of you. Yeah, I believe that. Uh, But let's go ahead and get that worked out. And I have a routine when it comes to my shows. So I'm going to, he called me, let's say it's nine in the morning. I'll work up until 11. And then I have things to do. And I have shows all weekend. So we'll have the same conversation tomorrow. And as I was, you know, the, the creator is, is just all of that. <laughs> the creator is all of that. Because less than two months prior, I had finally made a big girl purchase and got me a laptop. That same laptop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I have a laptop and Wi-Fi and a phone where I can actually do this work. So as I'm doing it, you know, the wheels in my head started spinning like, um, I don't I don't manage anybody. Um, so how is it I can work from home to help him out? I should be able to work from home and help myself out. <laughs> so... Um, had shows the rest of the weekend, took the rest of the week, came up with a plan. And by the next week, I went in and let him know, like, at this point, I'm not needed. I don't manage people. I manage information. I can do that 
in my pajamas. And he offered some resistance and I figured he would. He didn't have a good reason. He just knew that I, I brought value to the table. But if, if the environment don't want me there, if the, uh, if the subtext is go away, mm. then I go away. Everybody should be happy. Like, I get it. All right, leave you alone. So he put up some resistance and I was prepared for that. And um, it was really just him being in his feelings. Like, you don't have logical reasons why I shouldn't be able to work from home. And so I did. Um, up until they went out of business, I was working from home. And that just allowed, let the good times roll. Mm. First thing I did, I was like, oh, I can go back and forth to see my family. Um, you know, if it's, you know, maybe I was up late or if I couldn't really sleep and it's five in the morning, you know, most of the country lives on the East Coast, which means most of our customers, most of our vendors are on the East Coast. I could be up at five in the morning making phone calls, catching vendors as soon as they open, getting these tracking numbers for customers or helping them with their escalated issues. Because at that point, I was pretty much in, in charge of um, really, really tense, high-level problems. Mm -hmm. Like this credenza dropped off the face of the earth. Locate the Bermuda Triangle and get it for this, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, run our EDI program. What's EDI? We don't know. You figure it out. Okay. Electronic data interchange. <laughs> Watch how I make that grow by 300% in like four months. Okay. Mm. Um, so those are the kind of things I was doing. So that was really great. Mm -hmm. It that, sounds like a lot of fun. It was You enjoyed it. Yes. Mm -hmm. It was it was really great. And I had earned that because I had I had put in my work and I had um I had taken my lumps and I'd had my ups and downs at that particular place and I'd stuck with it. So I was gonna ride that one till the wheels fell off. And yeah, them motherfuckers fell off and <laughs> it's time to do something else. Um, and so just the work from home piece, you know, um, of not having to interact or I'm not bothering anyone. You know, I'm not, I'm not affecting anyone adversely. And then of course, vice versa. Mm -hmm. So when they went out of business, I'd been working from home for like, three, two, three, four years, something like that. Like, oh, I'm not ready for this bill. So I found another online retail company that was 100% right out the gate working from home. Jumped on that. They went out of business. Mm -hmm. Ended up at a warehouse. That was a difficult transition because I hadn't been around people. And of course, they wanted me to be a manager, a supervisor. I was like, nah, I think I just, just want to be like a return processor. Just kind of, just something real simple. Well, no, we want you to be a retail supervisor. And I got the feeling they wouldn't even consider me if I didn't consider that position. And my money was looking real strange. And I was like, well, I'll try. Um, and it was, it was another one of those situations where, you know, senior management just needed, they needed a puppet. They needed a middle person. They needed somebody to have their eyes and ears. Okay, what are people in the warehouse doing? Like, it wasn't of any real value. And once I realized that, I was like, nah, y'all, y'all got me fucked up. Not, that's not how this game goes. And this warehouse is full of black and brown people. No, 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 we're not doing that. We're not doing that. Um, this position's been abandoned for two years. I just got here. So whatever problems were happening, they precede me. And, you know, all these decisions were being made. I would get CC'd on an email and the email's been going on for like three months. And it's like, okay, and this is what's going to happen on Friday. Let me ask you a question. <laughs> 
So given all of these experiences, what advice do you want to share with young Black women who are looking to give, get involved in these types of industries or this type of work? Yes. Um, my advice would be mm-hmm. to strengthen, honor, nurture, and appreciate your non-employment support systems. Mm-hmm. Once again, I'm coming from the perspective of a professional wanderer, a professional drifter, um, someone who's been blessed with nine lives, so I always <laughs> land on my feet. Um, so that that would be my starting point of advice. You know, your family, your friends, your partner, significant others, significant others. Continue solidifying those relationships so that the bigger picture remains in focus and work doesn't consume you. Um, You know, for me as a Bay Area transplant, constructing a social circle has been challenging. Um, So during the times that I was going through my most turbulent um, work abuse, um, I didn't have a lot of people to lean on or turn to. And so at one point I attempted to befriend coworkers on a super meaningful level which was a super deflating fail. Mm. (laughs) And then that compounded the office tensions. You know, we don't see eye to eye about this um, house party. And now somehow we funk in in the office about a project that's clearly in your wheelhouse. Like that, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So the the relationships you have out of work, that's that's where the true treasure is. So... As we wrap up our conversation today, Casey, are there any final words of wisdom that you'd like to share? So, yes, there is. <laughs> um, my my black womanist, womanist, womanist too, womanist too, um, lets me know that what I see and feel is real that my intuition is ahead of its time and it's there to protect and guide me in a system designed not just to ignore me, but to demolish me, demolish my voice, my spirit, my ability to love. My Black womanist dwells within me, letting me know that that shit will never fucking happen. I come from resilience. And so will I continue to live and live well and thrive. And you will too. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. We would like to thank our sponsors, Che Abram, Fern Stroud with BlackVines.net, Holly Babe, Faust, and Janet Stone, who are donors and supporters of the project. Yuju Ho, Melody Fuller with Oakland Wine and Food Society. You too can learn how to become a sponsor. Please go to blackfemaleproject.org. Again, that is blackfemaleproject.org. 